Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m., and Fighting for Love, which airs every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Thank you all for listening to all the programs on KUCI. This week is Fun Drive Week. KUCI is committed to bring you great public affairs shows and terrific music. We love to give you the gift of great listening. So now we are asking you to give back to this station to support all your favorite shows. Please pledge your tax-deductible donation to continue all our great programs. You may call and pledge at 824-5824 or UCI-KUCI or go online and pledge at KUCI.org. When you call in your gift, you will also be eligible to receive a pledge gift back from KUCI. But most of all, you will help to continue the great shows that air 24-7. So thank you for calling right now, UCI, KUCI, 824-5824, or go online and pledge at www.kuci.org. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about scams and fraud and identity theft and all those scary things that we need to know about so that we can protect ourselves. And I'm really thrilled today because I am going to be interviewing a guest who actually I have I met many, many years ago and have seen him at different conferences, Adam Levin, and I want to talk about his new book and all the great things that he is doing. And so let me tell you a little bit about his background. Adam Levin is a nationally recognized expert on cybersecurity, privacy, identity theft, fraud, and personal finance, and he has distinguished himself as a fierce consumer advocate for the past 40 years. Of course, he doesn't look like he could do it that long, but he can. He was a former director of the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs, and he is chairman and founder of CyberScout and co-founder of Credit.com. He's the author of this new book that I told you about, Swiped, how to protect yourself in a world full of scammers, fishers, and identity thieves. Thank you so much for joining us, Adam. Mari, thanks for having me. And and by the way, we're both really only 25. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> so We just first, have anniversaries, but we're only 25. Right. And and we're probably only like 16 inside our in our head and in our heart, right? 
or young at oh, heart. I never, I, never, I never confuse chronological and emotional age. You're absolutely right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about giving some help to our listeners. So first of all, what made you become a consumer advocate way back when? Well, I, in law school, uh, I was commuting my senior year between Ann Arbor, Michigan, and New Jersey, and running in a primary for the United States Congress, which I won to the surprise of everyone, including myself. <laughs> uh, I went on to lose the general election, but I came from a family that was always involved in public service at law school. I was very involved with uh, environmental protection, and I wanted to continue the career, and I wanted to focus on all things government service, uh, consumer protection, environment protection, and the like. So I had an opportunity to become a, uh, a volunteer uh, for the New Jersey Division of Consumer Affairs. I, I ran their special projects division. They didn't have funding for me, so I said, don't worry, I'll fund me. <laughs> and uh, so really my consumer protection career began in earnest in 1976. In 1977, uh, the governor appointed me at the recommendation of the director who he was elevating to banking commissioner uh, to head of consumer affairs for New Jersey. So at age 27, there I Just was. Just a babe. Exactly where I <laughs> dreamt about being. See, you had a great dream and you made it come true. So how is it that you ended up focusing on identity theft and fraud issues? Well, in 1993, I teamed up with another fellow. We wanted to do a book on credit and do it by way of infomercial. Uh, he, of course, came back to me about a year later and said, there's this new thing called the Internet, and I think it's going to work. <laughs> I think he was right. So credit.com really became one of the original consumer advocacy uh, credit education uh, sites on the Internet. This is all the way back in 1994. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2002, when I took total control of the company, I was approached by friends who had been in a, in a legal services allied uh, profession, and they said they wanted to get involved doing a particular portfolio for a very big company to do legal services. And they said, you know, we believe that if we were to have an identity theft services component our bid would be more acceptable. You're in the credit business. You must, because identity theft really relates to credit fraud as well. You must know somebody. So the folks that were at that time running credit.com with me, we went out to look for what we thought would be a great partner for them. And in three months, we determined the fact that nobody was doing it right, that nobody had created an identity theft protection company that had a core competence in resolution, basically putting people back together again after they became victims of identity theft. And of course, you know that better than anybody, having written the wonderful book from Victor, victim to victor. So um, we decided that we, we could do it better. And so in 2003, we created a company called Identity Theft 911. Uh, we met with the Secret Service and the FBI, told them what we wanted to do, it's the first time I ever got hugged by a Secret Service agent. <laughs> but we began our journey. And unlike some of the folks out there that had been uh, benefits brokers or insurance people or marketing companies, 
uh, or in one case, an investigative firm that thought it would be a great idea to have an additional revenue channel doing identity theft, we were really the first company ever founded with the concept that resolution services should be a core competence. Uh, since that time, we've gone from Identity Theft 911, scared a lot of people with the name, to IDT 911, confused a lot of people with the name, <laughs> went global, and uh, we are now uh, Cyber Scout. Yeah, so um, you've evolved now with Cyber Scout. So, what does Cyber Scout do that's a little bit different than just a restorative services for identity thieve, uh, theft victims? Well, we have several different competencies now identity theft education, identity theft resolution, identity management. We would put that all under the identity theft services. But then we've uh, evolved into uh, breach preparedness, breach response, forensic consulting. So everything from how to help companies better understand how to avoid as best they can becoming uh, victims of a breach, all the way through the entire process of helping them plan for unfortunately what's becoming more and more inevitable, to also having a plan to help them control the damage, which also is inevitable. And, you know, based on all the new laws worldwide involving privacy, breach notification and the like, that not only are organizations going to be judged on how well they protect data, but they're also going to be judged on once they became aware that they had an issue, that someone had compromised their data, did they respond urgently, transparently, and empathetically? Right. And so that's sort of the evolution. And then the ultimate evolution of that is we are now also involved in election security, working with a number of states and counties around the country to better secure their databases, voting machines, voting processes, reporting, auditing, and then ultimately when they provide the results through websites of uh, county elections boards and secretaries of state. Well, that's going to be really, really important, as we saw, you know, with the concerns in 2016. So when we get to 2020, you got to, you know, this is going to be really an important issue. So thank you for that. Let's talk well, about, and, and, yeah, and, go ahead. And, and, and not only that, but um, many years ago, the federal government uh, passed a law called HAVA, Help Americans Vote Act. And they, the Congress appropriated uh, $3.6 billion. They distributed $3 billion back in the early 2000s in order for uh, states and counties to modernize their voting systems. Of course, think about the fact that now most of those voting machines are older than a lot of our children. Right, right. And uh, so this year they finally allocated the final almost $400 million to the states. So the states are going to be more focused now on this, obviously because of all the issues in 2016 the fact that 2018 there were certain indications uh, that the Russians are still in there, yeah. and nobody doubts the fact that they're going to be with us in 2020. Right, right. It's pretty scary for our democracy, that's for sure. Let's get back to talking about cyber th threats, and uh, let's talk about the cyber threats that face businesses and consumers. You can do either one first. <laughs> well, you have to look at it sort of holistically and realize that every minute of every day we are under assault. 
uh, either through our email, our mobile devices, through people contacting us on the telephone, representing themselves to be somebody they're not. Right. Uh, Even and, sending and, and letters so, representing themselves to be some government agency and they're not, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I call it the, the pantheon of ishings. There's <laughs> fishing, which is dear cardholder, dear member, dear account holder. Uh, Spearfishing, right. dear Mari. Fishing. <laughs> Right. which is where it's voiceover uh, internet right. protocol phishing, which is where somebody calls you on the phone, represents themselves to be from the government or a trusted uh, business like a bank that, that you have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And then the final one, which is smishing, which is SMS-based uh, text phishing. Right. And... Uh, and what do you call it? What do you call it when they send it through the, the U.S. mail? Mishing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We never thought of that. But I just, well, you said there are the issues. Just plain old fraud so. <laughs> or snailing, perhaps. You was, know. Yeah. Snail mishing. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, so many people, and, and I think this is so important for your listeners, so many people think, you know, I'm, I'm really not that important. Who would want to, in any way, you know, hack me? Who would want to steal my identity? I'm nobody. Businesses will go, I'm too small. Government agencies will go, you know, we're the bureau of whatever that nobody ever thinks of. Right. And what what people don't realize is that to a hacker or a scammer or an identity thief, right. we are all Kim Kardashian. We got what they want. We right. have data, financial information, credit card information, proprietary information. If you're a business, Lord knows how much information government agencies have, or... We are a tributary to a much larger river, which means it's not so much who we are, but it's who we know, who we work for, what organizations we're allied with, who our friends are, who our spouses are, right. or our partners are. And they will, the hackers will social engineer their way into our lives either to get us or to get them. And I, I always say to folks, listen, when you look down at your tie or your blouse and see a little red dot, that's not a little ketchup stain. That is a sniper scope. They are looking directly at you because they're coming after you. Mm. That's pretty scary. Let's talk about some of the biggest scams that, that are really targeting, uh, you know, the businesses and the consumers and i guess we could do them separately because yeah, well, they are kind you know, of separate business, yeah business are the big three uh which is uh business email compromise that's where a business gets an email it it looks like it's coming from within the organization right that's why more and more email systems are now being uh designed to say external sender <laughs> because people think it's coming from within the organization, either asking them to wire money or provide information. There's the W-2 scam, whereas someone thinks uh, in the HR department that an email has come from someone higher up in the organization that needs backup data for the W-2 forms. And of course, this information is critically important if you're a hacker and you want to file a fake tax return right. or you want to <clears throat> use it to steal people's identity. Um, 
So you have those, and of course you have malware, uh, which is related to ransomware. And whereas ransomware, if you look at many of the most recent reports, ransomware as to consumers is going down. Uh, in a couple of recent reports, big reports, they've talked about the fact that ransomware has increased almost 500% in the last two years for businesses. Yes. Yeah. And, and I have heard of a lot of law firms <laughs> that, oh, yes. yeah, that are the targets of ransomware as well. Yeah. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. One, one, because they have uh, confidential information involving clients that right. could enable scammers to use it for the purpose of front-running announcements in the stock market, right. getting their hands on uh, intellectual property or trade secrets, Yep. Uh, not to mention all the data involving individuals, personal information that they can use for the lawyers themselves, for their staff, mm-hmm. uh, as well as for clients. Exactly, exactly. So that's uh, that's been really rough because, unfortunately, attorneys are probably the worst at data security, at least in the smaller mid-size, you know, solo and small firm and mid-size. The larger firms are bigger targets, but um, they usually have stronger IT people to help them that they can delegate to. But yeah, it's it's a real problem in the in the legal profession. And as you said, they've got so much information on all their clients, big big clients and small. So um, well, well, not only yeah, go not ahead. only that, but it's. It's a resource issue, too, right. is that, you know, the big firms have the – certainly they charge the big bucks. They have the money, uh, whereas smaller firms have less resources, and many of them, again, suffer from the – nobody's going to be interested in me. Right. But but they would be interested in their clients. So that's, uh, that's totally. a big one. Yeah, totally. that's a big one. So you have a three-portfolio idea, credit, investments, and identity. And how do they all work together? Well, yes, because when you say the word portfolio, the, the Pavlovian response of most people is investments. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. truth is we all have other portfolios that, frankly, are extremely personal to us, but yet are the skeleton keys to our lives. Right which is your credit portfolio, your identity portfolio, your investment portfolio. So right. with your identity, if someone compromises that, that gives them the opportunity to crawl into your credit. And not only that, but to use that as a pathway into your brokerage accounts, investment accounts, and the like. Right. If someone compromises your credit, this means that it also could negatively impact on your investments because if you can't rely on being able to use your credit because you've been compromised, you may have to turn to the money that you have saved. Right. So you have to understand that, that it is vital that people actually focus on all these things. And whereas you would hope that a professional manager would be managing your money. As consumers, we are the professional managers of our credit and our identity. We have to build it, nurture it, manage it, and protect it. Exactly. Because if something goes wrong, we've got a problem. And we're living in a world now of shared responsibility. And consumers don't want it. 
didn't ask for it, aren't trained for it, but they got it. And that's because government hasn't done enough to protect us. Business hasn't done enough to protect us. And frankly, we haven't done enough to protect ourselves. Now we have to. Yeah. And it's kind of overwhelming. I mean, I, I will talk about your book in just a second, but it's really pretty overwhelming to do this. Um, just this week, in fact, yesterday, uh, my paralegal's husband got a letter and, you know, we made sure it was real, got a letter in the mail saying someone's been using his social security number. So then I said, well, you, you know, to, you know, to try and get a job and to, um, you know, obviously to uh, get maybe even get his tax refund you know so uh sure. there's there's all sorts of terrible things that can happen and and you know he's he's not a wealthy guy and he doesn't have one of these high profile positions but you know it can happen to anyone and people forget that if if someone will say well i have lousy credit or someone will say to me you know i i don't have anything for them to take and i'll say well wait a minute they can get a job in your name they can uh, get, i had a, a gentleman who called me who said mari i cannot get my workers comp i was injured on the job and i can't get it and i found out the reason why is because someone in san diego he lived up in northern california someone in san diego was already getting workers comp benefits under his name and social so, you know, it could happen to anyone and it can hurt anyone. And, you know, you and I hear this stuff all the time, so we know. So what are the four types of hackers that target consumers and businesses? I think that's important. Well, there's the state-sponsored hackers who we all know what they, who they are. It's China, Russia, Iran, Iraq, Syria, North Korea, uh, and these are people who are working for countries. Uh, either they've been brought in as independent contractors, as it were, or they're actually paid directly by the state. And their job is to get intellectual property, trade secrets. They do espionage work. And sometimes they're even told by the governments they work for. And, you know, you can basically take the information you've stolen. We've done everything we need for espionage purposes, so go and, you know, make money. And yeah. maybe you'll even split it with us. North Korea, it's it's like a cottage industry for North Korea because mm. North Korea needs the money. There's the for-profit for hackers, uh, and those are the people who target Home Depot, Sally, Sally's Beauty Supply. They hacked into the airlines. They pretty much hacked into almost medical facilities, educational facilities, all of that, right. where they want to get the data, sell it. You have the cause hackers, uh, you remember that the hack of Ashley Madison, which was a an adult cheating site, right, right. 37 million, you remember, 37 uh -huh. million people got exposed. And uh, it was somebody that was talking about the fact they felt the site was improper and they were going to teach him a lesson. Also, the Sony hack, uh, which uh, some people feel that it was a combination of a cause hacker for certain people in North Korea, as well as the North Korean government, as well as... Who knows how they got in in the first place? Could have been a disgruntled employee. And then there's the because I can hacker, or as the president likes to refer to, the 400-pound guy on a mattress in his mother's basement in New Jersey. And with, with, with because I can hackers, it's for bragging rights within the community of hackers. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which one of these hacking groups has put you in their crosshairs. The results 
can be devastating and terrifying. Yes, yes. Well, I want to make sure that we get to talk a little bit about your book, Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves. And again, if you just start, uh, tuned in, we're speaking with Adam Levin, who is the author of this book. So let's talk about, um, first of all, uh, you, you talk about breaches are the third certainty in life behind death and taxes. Is that really true? Oh, I think it's it's more so now than even ever before. Uh, hackers are becoming more sophisticated by the day, and we're in an arms race with with hackers. And that is every time we think we've figured out a way and plugged a hole, patched a vulnerability, we turn around and they've come up with a new strain, new malware, yeah. new uh, attack methods. So... It's a situation where we, we really are in an environment where almost everywhere you turn, there's a breach. Yes. Government yes. agencies, businesses, consumers, day after day after day, that we've had billions of files that have been compromised. Right. We've had hundreds of millions of social security numbers. Just think about yeah. Anthem Premier Excellus, the U.S. Office of Personal Management, and Equifax. Those alone yeah. that account for an overwhelming majority of Social Security numbers in this country. Right, right. Well, I want to ask you about, in your book, Swiped, you discuss the three M's as a plan for consumers to protect themselves, minimize the risk of exposure, monitor, and manage the damage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we, we only have about, oh, I'd say about three minutes. I want to make sure that you get to talk about that. Oh, Sure. Well, minimizing risk is all about reducing your attackable surface. Think about the fact that in addition to all of the public exposures we have through social media, through all of these breaches, you also are surrounded by 10 billion Internet of Things devices. We're living in a surveillance economy. Exactly. All of this data is being collected. So in this world we live in, you need to have password protocols, long and strong passwords, use two-factor authentication, Secure mobile devices. Don't authenticate yourself to third parties. Shred. Freeze your credit. As to monitoring, look at your credit reports. Know what your credit scores are. Have alerts that notify you if there's any activity in your accounts. Look at explanation of benefit statements that come from your health insurers. That could be a clue to the fact that someone's stolen your identity. Look for to more sophisticated forms of monitoring programs that have not just credit monitoring, but identity monitoring. And in terms of monitoring as a concept, uh, if you see something or hear something that doesn't sound right, don't think it's a mistake. And the third M is manage the damage. You can do it yourself, which is a nightmare, or as many people will be surprised to find out that through their insurance company, their financial services organization, or the HR department where they work, there's an identity program, identity protection services program to help them through an identity incident. So the, and sometimes it's free as a perk of your relationship or heavily discounted. Right. So contact your insurance agent, your financial services rep, your HR department, ask them, do you have a program? Am I in it? If not, what do I need to do to get in it? 
Is it free or what is it going to cost? Exactly. Well, terrific. And I think people might get a, a, a real dose of education if they pick up the book Swiped, How to Protect Yourself in a World Full of Scammers, Fishers, and Identity Thieves by Adam Levin. And uh, we thank you so much, and we'll keep in touch and have you back again. So just give your website, and it's time to go. AdamLevin.com, and thank you so much for having me, Mark. Well, thank you, and keep in touch. Good to talk to you after all these years, right? Wonderful. Absolutely. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join me on every Monday morning at 8 o'clock and visit our website at privacypiracy.org. And also, I want to just remind you that you are listening to KUCI during Pledge Week. And I just want to remind you to please don't forget this week is our fund drive. So please pledge your tax-deductible donation right now to make sure all the wonderful shows on KUCI can continue. Call right now, UCI, KUCI, or 824-5824, or go to KUCI.org. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hi, I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy, which airs every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and Fighting for Love, which airs at 8.30 a.m. And I'm just here to remind you to please pledge your tax-deductible donation to continue all our great programs. Call 824-5824 or UCI, KUCI, or go to KUCI.org. Thanks.